Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Grit Podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth. I'm the founder of Sisu and the host of the show. Super excited today to have our guest on with us, Michael Lafito. I met Michael about two years ago at a KW family reunion, and uh, I'd never seen anything like this. Michael was consulting to a bunch of companies at the time, and I think he still does this. We're going to learn more about this today, but just around luxury listings and how these, I mean, even at the franchisor level, how can these guys help their agents with luxury listings? So when I think of Michael, I think of luxury listings, uh, honestly. And uh, Michael's also a consultant, trainer, he's a team leader, he's an author, um, and he also created the certification for luxury listing specialist. If any of you guys have been certified for that, that was Michael. So Michael, welcome to the show. Anything you want to add to that? No, that was that was a pretty good introduction. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> so you've been in real estate for 17 years now. How did you migrate to luxury listings? Yeah, so I've been really kind of focusing on uh, luxury just the last six years. So I got licensed actually in 2000. So a little over almost 21 years now. And I was a part-time agent. I was a full-time high school health and physical education teacher. And we had a six month old and my wife is pregnant with number two. And, you know, I was kind of burning candles on both ends. So she's like, Hey, you got to pick one or the other. And so, you know, in 2010, uh, March of 2010, I went full-time into uh, real estate and I had some coaching, consulting, and and did some speaking back then for agents how to get more leads, more listings, and more closings. I had a product called the Ultimate Listing Blueprint, and it was a box of DVDs and CDs, if you will. And unbeknownst to me, a gentleman down in Jacksonville, he was with ERA Franchise Systems at the time. He had bought that product, and one of the modules was basically how I get, you know, at the time, how I get 8% listings in a 5% market. Now, I know, you know, you can't call it 5% market in Sherman Antitrust Law, so I'm not telling people what to to charge people. But this particular individual is like, you know, hey, I, I coach a bunch of top agents, and in this case, he coached some top luxury agents, and unfortunately, they would compete in their marketplace, even though they didn't have to, but in their mind, they thought they did by being one of the cheaper agents in their market. So I did some coaching. I did some consulting for some top luxury agents and teams. And and that's really when I, I made the shift myself, not just on the coaching consulting side to luxury, but also on the home selling side. So, so that was 2013, 2014, Brian. Okay. So I'm sure everyone's eyes are lighting up right now going, how do I get 8% on every listing? So are you going to teach us that today? Well, I, I, I wish I could tell you I'm still focusing on, on the percentages today, but I'm still by far probably the most expensive agent sellers interview in my market. Um, and so what we really focus on during the appointment is end results, right? And so especially the high net worth individuals, they, they're used to investing a little bit more on their dining experience, on their clothing, on their cars. Uh, they, they want that silver platter experience. 
And so they do focus more on net. They focus more on return on their investment than perhaps the you know, other clientele. So again, most sellers, particularly those that get it in the upper price points, if you can share with them how they're going to net more money through superior marketing, superior exposure, better negotiations, better spheres of influence, right? And contacts and, and yeah. being well, like the mayor of your city. If you can stack that offer and articulate it, you know, most of the time they're not going to push back if you charge more because they do focus on what they net at when the dust settles. Right. Okay, good. So that's, that's a great piece of advice there just to focus on the net rather than what the commission split is, right? I mean, yeah, I had a gentleman on my podcast because like you, I have a podcast and Kevin Foreman, this is going back about a year and a half ago. And Kevin talked about at the time, according to real trends, the commissions were going down. I, I believe at the time, the average commission across the country was 5.07%. And he said that was going down. Well, I don't need to drop any names, but there's discounted brokerages out there and there's downward pressure. So I think we can all agree that, you know, if I were a betting man, I would say commissions are more likely to either say level or go down versus go up you know, immediately. And so because of that, for an agent to make the same amount of money or make more money, Brian, they got to work smarter, not harder, but really one of three things has to happen. They either got to sell more homes. Now, I don't know about you, but that equates to working harder in many cases. Um, Number two is they got to be more profitable per transaction. And that could be increasing what they charge. That could be cutting away some fat on some things that don't work. Again, many agents, they don't know how to tell a seller that doesn't work. In other words, hey, I want my home advertised here. Or I want you to do an open house. Or, you know, and so I always refer back to market research. So I'd say if you were pushing me on doing something that statistically doesn't prove to get you a good ROI or get me a good ROI, I'd say, Brian, I certainly understand where you're coming from. If that did work, I would, let's just say it was an open house. I would do open houses or broker open house. I would do broker open houses every week if that got the home sold, because of course I only get paid when your property sells, but I'm going to invest my time, energy, and resources based on what market research tells us is the best return on my investment and my time. So that's number two, be more profitable per transaction. And the third, which I think is the lowest hanging fruit is increase your average sale price. Hello. You know, if your average sale price as an agent is 300,000 and you can go up 30% and get you to 390, that would be a 30% raise selling the same number of homes as you did the previous year. Yeah. And I I think everybody, even though commission percentages may have dropped over the last few years for some agents, not for all, but commission or, or house price points have increased. So I would say agents probably have not taken a dip for the most part. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, the, the median home sale price, I believe NAR said from a year ago, I, I want to say it was up 22%, maybe I think from the previous year, call it 20%. And so, yeah, even if an agent, you know, lowers their fee by 15% and their average sale price went up 20% and they sell the same number of homes, they should be more more profitable based on numbers alone. Yeah. Okay. So I want to dive into luxury. I know some people have this misconception of, or maybe it's not a misconception. You can tell me of, you know, luxury properties are these 10, 20, $30 million homes in LA or New York or some major city. Some people may say, Hey, a luxury listing is anything over a million dollars and doesn't matter where it is. I don't know the definition. You're the expert. So what is a luxury listing? That's a great question. So 
if we're talking about price point alone, because you can define luxury based on materials and style and and architectural design and and what how it's furnished and and the artwork, but if we're talking price alone, um, you know, many brands, as you mentioned, define luxury as a million dollars and above. Well, that doesn't get you much in the Silicon Valley, and a million dollars in Rochester, New York, will get you a lot, or in Davenport, Iowa. You know, I was doing a training about a year and a half ago. Uh, for a gentleman, maybe you've heard the name Matt Fagioli. He does these big explode conferences. And this one is in a town called Kokomo, Indiana. I had an agent come up to me afterwards. I was basically talking about luxury, how to break into luxury. And she said, I was hesitant to come to your session, but I'm so glad I did. She said, we don't have million dollar properties here in Kokomo, Indiana. Now at the time, imagine this, Brian, but the average sale price in Kokomo, Indiana, according to her was $80,000. So she goes, the average sale price here is $80,000. So she said, we don't have million dollar properties. But so I define a luxury home as a home that is priced at three times the market average for that given market. Every market's different. So luxury is all relative to that given market. So 80,000 times three is 240. And she goes, we certainly have a lot of 250s and 300s. We even have some fives and some sixes. We just don't have million dollar properties. So I teach agents that there's four primary price points in most markets. You really got to start with the second bucket. The second bucket is average price. Okay. Median is a better indicator, but most human beings, let alone real estate agents, are terrible at numbers. So I, I use average because it's easier to find that number. So figure out what the average sale price in your given market. Okay, let's just use 250 as this example. So if it's in the 250 range, plus or minus, you're in that average price point. You know, well below 250, you're in the entry level or starter bucket. Okay, the third bucket is what we call high end homes. High end homes are homes that are two times the average sale price. So 250 times two. So in that 500 range. And then luxury is 250 times three or 750 and above. Now, you know, if you were to call it uber luxury or ultra luxury, that would be the fifth bucket. And I would say that's probably a 10 but uh, most markets might not have that number. Okay. Okay. That's very clear. I'm putting on my hat. I want to become a list a luxury listing agent. I'm sick of selling homes for 250, maybe even 500. I want to jump up to that 750 range. What do I do? How do I make that happen? Got to be a student of the game, right? Always be learning, right? There's so much great content out there. You know, Lisa Hayes says, be careful how you talk to yourself because guess what? you are listening. And so many agents have what what I call limiting beliefs, Brian, they have excuses, like I got to be licensed X amount of years or be with a certain brand or have gray hair, or I have to live in a certain house or drive a certain car or heck, there's already fill in the blank 27 luxury agents in my market, there certainly isn't room for 28. Uh, That's the worst one out of them all. So you really got to believe you can. So you got to work on the mindset, 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 whether you're, what are you watching? What are you listening to? And you'll become more confident by attending other people's broker open houses for those high end and luxury homes. So I recommend they do that and get the listing agent's permission, but they might even consider doing a post or a a Facebook live from there, get the listing agent's permission. And if you were the listing agent, I would, if you were to role play, I'd say, hey, Brian, hey, this is Michael Lafita from XYZ Realty. I'm planning on attending your broker open on Tuesday over at 123 Biscayne Boulevard. Uh, really looking forward to it. I just want to ask beforehand, I was wanting to post and let people know I'm attending this open house. Do you have a website that I can drive people to, to get some exposure for you? 
So I would, I would start with what's in it for you, right? Because I would want to help you. I, I never want to mislead or, or pretend like it's my listing. So I would disclose, disclose, disclose. But I mean, we're in a dating app industry. People are on their smartphone and most people watch videos that are on default mute anyways. So they're scrolling, they're scrolling. And all of a sudden, Brian, they see me at your open house pointing out some things. And even though I'm saying this is Brian's listing, it's Brian's listing, go to 123 Elm Street. They're like, hey, Mike, I saw you at that amazing home. And you consistently start doing that. And people realize they remember what you do for a living and they see that you're consistently around some unique and pretty cool properties. So, so I would go to other people's broker opens and maybe even offer to attend other broker opens. So Brian, you and I were in the same office. Again, this is a trick question, but the most listened to radio station that most listing agents listen to is the same that most sellers listen to and most buyers listen to. And that's W-I-I-F-M. That stands for what's in it for me. So if I'm calling you the listing agent, Brian, I already know what keeps you awake at night for your listing at 123 Biscayne Boulevard. It's been on a while. I'm sure the sellers are on you about doing something different. Maybe your listing agreement's coming up and you want that extension. And so you, you've exhausted all your options, perhaps. Perhaps, maybe not, but I'm assuming that. And so I'm coming to you with something on a silver platter. I'm offering to do something for you to make your life easier, to make you look good for your sellers and hopefully get that home sold. So if we had a role play, I'd say, hey, Brian, I see you got that listing there at 123 Elm Street or Biscayne Boulevard, doesn't matter what the address is. Hey, I'm not sure if the sellers are on you about doing something different or marketing or creating some foot traffic, but I'm offering, I'd love to sit in an open house for you there. And I know in that price point, Brian, your sellers might think you're crazy, or I see it's vacant and and maybe you don't want to give up your weekends with your family. I'm willing to do that. So one of the benefits, Brian, even if we don't get a qualified offer through that open house, one of those benefits is on those third-party websites like Zillow and Redfin and Realtor.com, when you host an open house on 123 Biscayne Boulevard, you're going to get a lot more clicks and views for that week that you're doing it than the competition down the street. So worst case scenario, you go to your seller and say, hey, I'm going to try something. There's an associate called a team member that uh, and I are going to market. I'm going to market it online. He's I'm going to walk him through your home ahead of time so he feel comfortable. But he's going to host the open house. And Mr. Seller, worst case scenario, we don't get a lot of activity or an offer. We're still going to be get a win out of it because we're going to get more views. We get more views. We get more clicks. We get more online clicks. We got a higher probability of get a qualified showing in the next couple of weeks. So leveraging other people's properties, like the old song from the 1990s, OPP, you want to leverage other people's properties if you don't have your own broker opens, working other people's open houses. And then the next way you could do it is if you have a successful sale, someone in Realty One, or you're with EXP or Keller Williams, someone else has a successful sale outside of your market. Congratulate them. See, ask them, Brian, would you mind if I post about your successful sale in Provo? So I post something here in Chicago where I'm based saying, hey, checked out this record sale from uh, a colleague of mine. He's out in Provo. By the way, if anybody's looking to get a secondary place there or, or get something you know, to go skiing in the winter, I can connect you with a rock star agent. I'm licensed here only in Illinois. However, I have connections across the globe. So if you're going to look someplace, reach out to me, no obligation, but I'll make an introduction to somebody that will treat you right and negotiate on your best interest, i.e. I'm just planting seeds for 25% referral fees right there. Right. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to shift gears a little bit because, well, maybe you could clarify for us. So you, you really focus your time in two areas. One is you consult 
on how to do exactly what we've been discussing. And then the other thing you do is you actually run your own team, right? Yeah. So start with the consulting side. So yes, I have a coaching consulting business and I'm also, you mentioned uh, the, the founder of the Lux designation called Luxury Listing Specials. We launched it five and a half years ago, it requires zero luxury sales to take our course and to get certified. So I teach that pre-pandemic, you know, I, I did, I think, 32 events in 2019 between my events or speaking at somebody else's on somebody else's event. So of course, 2020, we all adapted and we did a lot of Zoom trainings. And now we're starting to do more face-to-face. So in May, we did a full day and a half training out in Napa. We had 70 agents fly in from 19 states. We took a tour of a mansion that's on the market for 16 and a half million and 18 million. So we're taking the concepts that we're teaching and we're helping agents adapt and identify to apply it to their, their everyday. And so we do those trainings all over Brian, and then we're also approved for continuing education. We have several courses approved for CE4 in Texas. Two, we just got our second approved in Florida and one in Georgia, and we're looking to expand that. But then I also run a small team as an agent in the Chicagoland market. And I think we have 25 listings right now. I want to say 15 of them are, you know, above a million and a half and, you know, 10 above 2 million. And I think six above 3 million. I have a 10 and a half million dollar listing. I represent an NFL superstars house right now. And so that's a little bit about my home selling team. Awesome. Congratulations. All right. So let's talk about your consulting. So who do you consult to? I mean, I'm trying to figure out who your customers are. If I, if I was listening to this podcast right now and I ran a team, maybe of 30 agents, and I went, oh, wow, how do we get our listings up higher? Is that someone who could be a client of yours? Or are they all, I know you work with like corporate realogies of the world, KWs of the world, that level as well. So yeah, what, what, what's your range of customers and tell us. So more. early on, we really focused more on, on, on the individual agent, but of course, you know, from a scalability and leverage, right? Just like the benefit of a team, you know, we're, we're really focusing more on larger teams and brokerages, whether it be independent or franchise. For example, when I launched my designation five and a half years ago, it was for a REMAX franchise uh, down in Dallas, REMAX DFW and Associates. I think they had at the time 300 agents, six offices, and they were looking for some additional support uh, more so than they were getting from corporate. So, you know, we can help a franchise or we can help boutiques launch luxury divisions, strengthen their presence in their luxury market. I believe our job is to be in the discussion, right? So, you know, if you're a licensed agent and, and someone's thinking about listing or selling their home, I tell agents, you want to be in that discussion, right? You want to at least get the opportunity in life, the opportunity for the listing appointment, the opportunity to interview for the job. Well, same thing when it goes to brokerages or large teams. You know, we helped a company called JPAR down in Dallas, JP and Associates. They are kind of a flat fee model where they just make money per transaction. And initially, they, they didn't see the benefit of having a luxury division because whether one of their agents sold a $10 million home or a hundred thousand dollar home, it meant the same to JPAR as a business owner, but they soon realized that, you know what, if we attract high quality agents that do a lot of the upper end and luxury, that's going to give us a better perceived value in the community, which will help our agents that focus on entry level, convert more prospects to clients. So really, I do believe in the top-down mentality. If you have a strong presence in those upper price points, I believe everything rolls downhill and, and everybody will benefit. Yeah. Very interesting. All right. So you've written two books, right? 
If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit. Yeah, I've actually more than that, but yeah, more, so I've written a book okay. called, I've written a book called Marketing Luxury, and that's geared towards consumers. So a seller, go, you go on an appointment with the seller, it's a lead behind for the consumers on best practices, who to hire, what not to hire. Uh, I've written a book called Luxury Listing Specialist. That book is on Amazon. That's kind of my flagship book, if you will. And then I wrote a book called Outside the Box uh, recently. That's a book that uh, is really a photo-based book based on case studies and how to position homes. Um, and uh, I also wrote a book when I was still teaching how I became a top producing agent working part-time hours. All right. So in those books, like if I, if, let's just take luxury listing specialists, mm -hmm. like who's, who's the best audience for that? Any, anybody selling real estate? Is that what that is? The, the best audience for that would be, yes, yeah, somebody that is not just interested, but says, you know what, I really want to increase my average sale price. What do I need to work on to do that? So whether it be a team, whether that be a, an office or whether that be an individual agent, I mean, it applies to all. Okay. So I know you are an aggressive marketer. Like I read some stuff about you're like, uh, you know, there's traditional marketing and then there's, there's my marketing. And you, you have something that's kind of set the new standard for marketing luxury homes today. Can you tell us more about that? Like, what, is, what yeah. is the difference in marketing that you do versus what everyone else does? Well, first off, I, I can tell you there's none of these out there, right? People want the easy button, Brian. That was okay. easy. There's no easy buttons, but... Some things come easier for others naturally and others it just takes time because you've learned and you've observed, you ask questions. And so I call something called my fresh eyes analysis. You know, in business, they might call it a SWOT analysis, right? Strength, weakness, opportunity, threat. But for fresh eyes analysis, when I look at our properties, I get multiple eyeballs on them. I'm trying to get poke holes and am I missing something? Can I accentuate something more? Can I downplay something? So not just amazing photos, not just amazing descriptions. Literally, I could have the world's best copywriter type out the description for every one of my properties. And guess what? If they don't like what they see, if we're overpriced, they're going to swipe left, right? So, you know, you, you really have to know what it is you're looking for. So I have a gentleman that's joining my team and he turned over two listings. He wants me to handle them. One's a 500 thousand dollar home the other is 2.7 the five hundred thousand dollar home I, I looked at the photos and right away I, I, I see some things that we can strengthen I also look at the tax records in this case the tax records indicated it's a four bedroom he had it marketed previously as a three bedroom because he said well the one is kind of a den well if the tax records show it's four I'm going to count it as a fourth. And in my description, I'm going to talk about how it could be a den or an office. But when people are searching online, having four bedrooms versus three, like he had it, it's not even showing up on some people's radars. So I teach agents to think like a marketer, not like a real estate agent. So think differently. You know, we are really in, in the marketing business. So I want more eyeball traffic. I want people to pick mine over the guy down the street. So how do you do that? How do you, how do you position it differently? How do you differentiate yourself during the showing so the experience is better after the showing? I just had a, a showing today on one of my multi-million dollar properties. It was an NBA player that was looking at it. And 
again, I know the competition that he's looking at. So I'm already going back and we're being proactive to try to get them to pick me, pick me, pick our listings, but without saying that, right? So there's a, there's a way of doing that. And so being good uh, communicator, being a great negotiator, but also disc personality, Myers, Briggs, Colby, being able to mirror and understanding people's personalities is really important because many times I'm talking to the buyer's agent and they're feeling like they won, but ultimately we got what we wanted. So that's the art of, of negotiating as well. So thinking differently, uh, the, the, the new standard today is not just one thing. It's a multitude of things, Brian. Yeah, great. So interesting. I, I'm going to ask this now because I'd usually ask this at the end, but like I'm out there, I'm going, hey, I want my team to to learn more about this. Is that something you're willing to go do in today's market? Like, um, and tell, tell me more about that. Let's say I have a team of 30 agents and I'm like, I want my agents to, to get yeah, so I, yeah. I mean, like I have a, an agent right now, she's out of Atlanta. She's a $95 million producer. She's got a team around 15 and, and she wants to crack 120 million this year. And, and she's not doing as well in those upper price points as she thinks she can. And so, you know, I'm helping her, I'm helping her team, I'm coaching them up. So I'm not just coaching her individually, but also the team. So that's one option that we have. You know, sometimes people will just fly me out and I'll work with them uh, for a day or two. There, there's a lot of different customizations that we offer. And then we also, the lowest bearing fruit is somebody wants to take our course to go online, luxurylistingspecialist.com. They plop down their credit card and they get a username and password and they just go through it self-paced. So we offer free products through our blog and our, our podcast. And then we offer, you know, higher price points. I had one client that they paid me over a couple hundred thousand dollars, but I increased their average sale price and they attract more opportunities and they looked at it as a long-term gain. So it's really, you know, up to the individual, but ideally our ideal client is a team leader or brokerage that is you know, really committed to increasing your average sale price and either launching a luxury division or improving their luxury division. Yeah. Great. Thank you for sharing that. Wanted to ask you, like, what's your vision of the market? There's been a lot of change over the last year. COVID hit. Everybody, you know, feared they wouldn't be able to sell any more houses. Two months later, houses are selling like crazy. You know, some people say the market's inflated. Some people say it's going to keep going. I'd love, just love to hear your perspective since you're in so many high-priced homes. Yeah. I was a panelist recently with the uh, chief economic officer for NAR, Howard Yoon, and the chief economic officer for Luxury Portfolio, and myself. You know, I don't know if you've ever been on a stage and you're like, you're, you're looking at these people and you're like, going in this, I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm amongst greatness, you know? And, and at first I'm like, what am I going to contribute to this panel? But when it talked about marketing and it talked about real estate, definitely they deferred to me. But one thing that Howard talked about is, you know, at the current rate of debt and inflation that we're dealing with, rates have to be going up. You know, people say end of the year, but nobody knows when, but rates are definitely going to go up. And although the upper price points are the least amount affected by interest rates, money's cheap. I got a closing tomorrow, 2.9 million. And that guy's putting 25% down. I got a home that's over 7 million and it's close to being under contract. That guy's only putting 25% down because money's cheap. People would rather keep their money liquid so they can play with it in the market or, or do whatever it is they want. So when rates go up, it's going to affect 
all price points. So I do feel like we're going to see things slow down a bit. You know, the rental market, that's a whole nother different topic. I don't really focus on that, but I do feel like the upper price points are still in the healthiest it's been since pre-pandemic, but it has slowed down a little bit, Brian. And, um, you know, I'm just hoping that we ride this wave. You know, I'm friends with agents and I consult with agents across the world. And Chicago's always been buyer's market, you know, really since I've been focused on real estate full time. And so it's just been great to finally see those upper price points loosen up a little bit. And I hope it continues, but I, I do believe it's going to slow down a little bit. Yeah. Okay. What, and I really want to know from a team perspective, not from your consulting perspective, what is your focus right now from a team perspective to grow your business? Yeah, we're, we're going to be you know, doing more and more open houses. Uh, I'm not, I don't do open houses, but from a team perspective. And so we leverage, I look at it as a, a listing as a platform to attract like a magnet. It's a platform to attract more buyers and more listings. Of course, we want to get the home sold fastest and net to sellers the most amount of money. But in doing so, you know, if we get it out there with more exposure through websites, through video, through tagging, through optimization, through word of mouth marketing, through getting the sellers to be an ancillary sales force and posting about the property, then we feel like those are more fishing lines in in, in the pond and we can, we can catch more fish, right? So that's really our focus is to optimize what we currently have. And then of course, do what we say we're going to do and you know, make it a great experience because you're more likely to get a referral during that process. I mean, I just put two homes on the market this week, a CEO of a formal big time company and a, another CEO, and those are both referrals. So again, luxury real estate is kind of like meet the parents with Robert De Niro. I mean, it's, it's really the circle of trust. When you do a good job in the upper price points for one person, you know, don't screw it up because if you do a good job, you know, that could be a great referring source. Yeah. Okay. I like your comparison there. Don't be Ben Stiller, right? Don't be Ben Stiller. <laughs> All right. I'm going to shift to some personal questions here that I, that I usually ask. I'd love to learn like what your favorite source of learning is, your favorite book or your favorite podcast. Before I do that, what is the name of your podcast? I'd like our listeners to know that. Yeah, it's just, it's Luxury Listing Specialist. Luxury okay. Listing Specialist. It's on iTunes, it's on Spotify, Stitcher. I think we just released our 152nd episode. If you think you would be a great guest on our podcast, uh, reach out to me, Michael at Marketing Luxury Group. We're always looking for people that bring something different to the table. We don't want the same regurgitated content, right? So if you have a unique niche, if you you know think you could be a great contributor, please reach out to me. So we launched that a little over three years ago. Okay, awesome. Okay, so back to what what's your favorite book or favorite source of learning right now? And I know that changes over time. So it depends on where you're at in your life. So yeah. So I, I don't watch hardly any TV. I mean, I tell my wife, we got to cancel cable. I mean, literally, I might watch an hour a month. That's it. Like, seriously. So, you know, I'm at the stage of my life with kids and sports that we don't have a whole lot of downtime. We're getting, you know, back from practice after eight o'clock. So, you know, reading. Right now, I'm reading a book uh, called uh, Building Your Empire. It's from uh, Grant Cardone's wife, Elena Cardone. So that's what I'm reading now. But what's interesting about that book, she's talking a lot about building your empire as far as your marriage, about your family, about your team. You know, that's kind of your, your, your empire. And so there's so many great books out there. You know, it's hard for me to, to pinpoint uh, one, you know, but I, I love reading. I love reading. 
really listening to uh, while I work out at the, the uh, Orange Theory Fitness. So many times, you know, we'll, we'll be listening to, you know, the headphones afterwards because they don't allow you to do it then. So, you know, that's my mode of, of learning really is either podcasts and listening, you know, when I'm jogging around the neighborhood, not at, you know, Sports Center, Orange Theory and reading but I'm, I'm more of an observant learner than anything else. So, I, you know, Tony Robbins says success leaves clues, you know, go figure out what someone successful is doing, observe it. So I'm more of a visual learner, Brian. And so, you know, watching people, watching how they interact, watching how they treat others, how they carry themselves, you know, that's probably the best method of, of learning for me. I love it. That, that's the first time I've heard that as an answer. Yeah. Uh, in in what 80 episodes now so that's great thank you for sharing that what's your favorite place to visit you've traveled all over the world you've traveled to train you've traveled i'd love to hear just what your favorite place is yeah so we were just yeah we were just in in colorado as well Uh, you know last year we did a just such a memorable trip as a family and it ranks up there with the best all time now personally i love italy my wife and i went there for our honeymoon i've been there one other time so italy's number one, but as far as, you know, family, we did the old Griswold trip. So we did uh, Mount Rushmore and then we did Big Sky, Montana. We went whitewater rafting. We went to the Redwood National Forest. So the Pacific Northwest is just beautiful. I really enjoyed that. And if I wasn't with the kids, you know, Italy, um, if my wife and I were to go somewhere, we we love Italy. So your name is Italian, right? Yeah, Lofito, correct. Yes. So are your parents from, did they grow up in Italy? Your grandparents, like when did, when did they come to the U S my, my father's mom came from Italy and my father's father's father. So second generation um, on that side. And my mom looks Italian, but she's actually Irish. So I only talk about how I'm 50% Irish on, on St. Patty's day. I'm kidding around. That's what my mom would say. So I'm actually 50, 50, but I really talk more about the Italian side. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Italian's a beautiful place. I love it over there as well. Yeah. What's your favorite thing to do in your personal time? It sounds like you guys do a lot of sports. Yeah, we do a lot of sports. You know, I like working out. I feel like I get a lot of, uh, you get to think, right? Like even when I travel now more travel and I feel like you get to slow down a little bit and, and, and think whether it be reflect, whether it be what I can do to improve upon myself. So, you know, working out pre-kids, I used to like get on my Harley Davidson and, and go for a ride. I, get, I haven't gone on it once. It's sitting in my garage collecting dust, but I'd like to ride my Harley more. Okay, great. So last thing is uh, what's, what's the most important piece of advice you would want to give to our listeners today? You know, you, you got to figure out how to get that, that fire burning. Okay. I got a sign behind me that says, prove them wrong. I I don't know if it's a goal board in front of you, whether it be financially, whether it be proving an X wrong, whether it be, you know, earning enough money to, to be able to donate or to get an assistant or get that muscle car that you've always wanted, whatever it might be. So keeping that, that, that belly, that, that fire burning is tough, right? Some people get burnt out 2020, some people battle depression or whatever it might be. So you got to continue to work on your mind. Your, your brain is the most important muscle in your body. And so I look at our brain, I look at our self-esteem and our ups and downs of life. This is going to be a weird analogy. I guarantee in 80 episodes, nobody brought this up. It's kind of like Fortnite. My kids play this game called Fortnite. I've never played it. Okay. But they play Fortnite. 
Fortnite. And it's a game where you're battling people and you could lose energy. You can fall, you can get hit by bullets and you, you, you lose your energy and you can die, if you will. But throughout the game, you can you can find these jars of basically like energy drink and drink it and, and it saves your energy. Well, throughout the day, Brian, life is like a Fortnite game, right? We wake up, we check our text and there's that negative client that says, call me, it's urgent. And it's like, and now your energy level goes down and you, you open up your email and there's all these. And so it's like turbulence life throughout our day is like turbulence. So you got to have a really strong foundation. And so the foundation, you got to believe in yourself, right? So you got to continue to build yourself up on a daily basis because life's going to drag you down. Your clients are going to drag you down. Sometimes your significant others are going to drag you down. So that'd be my best advice for anybody. If you really you know, want to have a, a great year, no matter who the president is, what interest rates are, what gas prices are, you know, whether the election your guy won or it was stolen, whatever it is, you can control your life. Don't buy into the narrative, the constant negative news online or through websites or through the media, you know, turn that junk off. Unfortunately, garbage in, garbage stay. So you got to really focus on things that are positive, uplifting, uplifting to make you a better person, a better agent, better husband, and a better parent. It's a great answer. Michael, what do you do to, to make sure you're staying strong in that area? Is this about morning routines? Yeah. Uh, you know, so what, I, what I, advice I, do you have to do that? Because it's such great advice. I don't want to leave it at that. Like, what steps do you do in your life to, yeah. to make so sure? So athletics was very a big part of my upbringing, right? So I was fortunate enough to be on a great high school program. We won the state championship. I played college sports, which for me, I got a scholarship, which was my lifelong dream at the time. And so these coaches really worked on mindset, mindset, mindset. It's like the sports psychologist. So for me, it comes a little bit more easy than maybe others, but on a daily basis, you just have to keep affirmations. You got to do affirmations. I'm a big believer. What you, how you think is what's going to happen, right? So building yourself up, you know, my high school coach used to always say, you know, he'd have us repeat after him. I am a champion and I refuse to lose. Well, and I say that daily, you know, I say that daily, it's even today in my forties, because life is going to beat us up and you got to refuse to lose. So tune others out as best you can. You know, Steve Jobs says, if you want to, you know, make everybody happy, sell ice cream, but let's face it, you sell ice cream, people are going to complain that it's too soft, it's too hard, that not enough flavors. So you're not going to please everybody. You got to be comfortable enough in your own skin and know that some people aren't going to like you and that's okay. Be you and be the best version of you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Michael, how do people get a hold of you? I'm sure people are going to want to reach out to you after listening. Uh, what's the best way to reach you? You know, I'm online throughout, you know, Instagram, on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, Michael Lafito, L-A-F-I-D-O. My email is Michael at marketingluxurygroup.com. Michael at Marketing Luxury Group. Shoot me a note. Shoot me a private message. And, uh, I'd be happy to answer any questions they have. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Michael. And uh, listeners, thank you as well. Don't forget to go out and give us a, a five-star review. Help us get more people like Michael on the show. And uh, we'll catch you all next week. Michael, thank you. Thanks, Brian. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co. S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your setup fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the 
Real Estate Growth Mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.